Hey friends, if you want to help support this show, please consider joining our official yoga and podcast Patreon. The great member perks such as exclusive stress relief audio meditations, live in yoga classes, plus you can earn podcast merch over time. To find out more, please visit patreon.com forward slash yoga and podcast. It's spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash y-o-g-a-a-n-d-p-o-d-c-a-s-t. The link to check it out is also in the show notes. Your support is greatly appreciated. Now, on with the show. Welcome, friends, to the Yoga and Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Weber, a yoga and Pilates teacher who is living and learning every day here in beautiful Austin, Texas. And I am just so curious about all things yoga and. If this is your first time joining us, a big welcome to you. This show celebrates the hardworking people in the mind-body community who are being of service and are contributing to the world in creative and innovative ways. Today, we will continue our conversation with Kim Humphrey in this two-part series for the final half of Yoga and Buddhism. We will pick up where we left off, discussing compassion and wisdom. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen to the previous episode, number 68, I highly recommend you pausing right here. Go back to the previous episode before checking this one out. There is so much to learn in this illuminating conversation. I know you will enjoy this chat just as much as I did. Now, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, y'all. talking earlier compassion with lack of wisdom was something that might be yeah yeah so so that idea of wisdom right in um in buddhism so they say there there are two wings of the path right there's compassion and and wisdom Mm. right and and it's actually not so different than than the yogic, you know, philosophy and understanding as well, you know, in, in the yoga sutras, Patanjali speaks at length about the kleshas, right? Or the, um, why can't I think of the word? The mental afflictions, mm. right? And, and the root, right? The root of these mental afflictions being ignorance, mm. right? The opposite of ignorance is wisdom, Mm. right? And at least in my teacher trainings, you know, like we went through the Yoga Sutra and that was touched on, right? This ignorance, right, is is the root cause, or I think it, it talks about ego clinging, right? So this ignorance about how the world works and this ignorance about how, how we work or how we exist. But it wasn't until I started studying Buddhism that someone actually explained this, right? What, what, what is that ignorance? What does that mean? And 
found it so helpful to hear, you know, it doesn't mean not knowing something, mm. which is, I think, what we often think of, right? When we say ignorant, someone's ignorant on a topic, right? Like they just don't know about it. They don't have the information. And this understanding that it's not that we don't know something, it's that we think we know it and we're completely wrong. Oh, wow. Right? So like we think we know how this world is working out here, right? How we're working and we're completely wrong. It's 180 degrees. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know, but you think you know. Exactly, right? And that's where it becomes dangerous. That's the root cause of all of our suffering, mm. right? And so in this way, you know, yoga is actually saying this, we could just, we could just study yoga, you know, and, and get, get this understanding from a teacher and Buddhism really puts it out there as like this two wings of the path, you know, and, and there are many ways to say it, you know, we can say compassion and wisdom we can say form and emptiness, mm. right? method and wisdom. There are a lot of ways that this is touched on, again, in books, right? Once you've learned it, you can see it, but it might be confusing if you're just reading books because there are different words that refer that as we translate, right? These major concepts, um, it can get lost. And you know, they say not to teach wisdom to people who aren't ready, right? Because it can be dangerous. And this goes back to my teacher telling me no, mm. right? Like, no, out of my deep love and compassion for you, I'm saying you're not ready. Yeah. Like, let's get you ready. And so we don't actually in in buddhist books right that are that are out like these amazing teachers like pema chodron and um andrew holchak and you know there there are so many just like wonderful teachers um putting out really helpful books we don't see them speaking so much to wisdom we see them touch on it right but like even pema chodron has this amazing book, No Time to Lose, which is her kind of commentary on Master Shantideva's text, The Bodhisattva's Way of Life, right? And so this Bodhisattva path, it's one of the scopes of, of the Buddhist path. So part of the Lamrim is this, this Bodhisattva path. And, you know, there, there are six aspects to it. There are six aspects of a Bodhisattva that, um, that we want to practice and embody. And so, right, we can understand a bodhisattva, you know, bodhi means awakened. Um, a bodhisattva is someone who has this mindset of bodhicitta. So chitta is mind, right? Mm -hmm. So awakened mind. Mm -hmm. So this, this person who has an awakened mind and then we learn in the bodhisattva's way of life what that looks like, right? And there, there are six aspects to it where, you know, we practice generosity, mm. right? Of course, in, in my lineage, the, the Galukpa lineage, everything is lists, 
right? So it's like we have the list of the six and then there are four types of generosity and then there are, right? We have the, the list of the list, but you know, we practice generosity, first of all. We practice ethical discipline, right? So that ethical foundation again, we practice patience. Mm. We practice a joyful effort, right? Joyful effort, like in our own endeavors and being happy for others, right? That happiness for others when, when they get what they want. We practice meditation, right? Is the fifth aspect. And then the sixth is wisdom, mm. actually. And so in, and that is the ninth chapter. The ninth chapter of the Bodhisattva's way of life is wisdom, is this sixth perfection, which I love. My, my teacher's teacher, um, Lama Marut, he calls them perfectionizers. <sighs> yeah. Right? That actually, like, we can think that this is the goal to attain, but actually, if we are practicing them, they are, they are the attributes that will, will bring us to this state right, to practice these, um, these aspects, right, of the Bodhisattva path. And in, in Pema Chodron's book for the general public, she actually very clearly states, I don't know if it's in the introduction or the preface, but I, I have not included the ninth chapter, right? I haven't included the ninth chapter here. Um, and it, it is very complex. It is kind of this conversation on emptiness or wisdom between different schools of Buddhist thought at the time. It's very complex. She leads us towards um, the Dalai Lama has a very wonderful commentary on it um, and says, you know, go, go elsewhere for this basically. Um, I'm not sharing it. And yet when we, get to the ninth chapter, the very first part says all of that before, all of that generosity and ethical discipline and patience and joyful effort, all of the meditation, all of it was for this. This is the point, mm. right? And you actually can't really get that without this. All of that was preparing you to get to this point. Oh, wow. Right? And so if we're just reading books, they can be super helpful. And we're missing the point, mm -hmm. right? If we don't, you know, and honestly, if I had gone to the Dalai Lama's um, commentary without having been, had it broken down for me by a teacher, Right, who also very clearly, I mean, it's, it's, I've gone back and actually listened to this teaching of, of Lama Marut on the ninth chapter. And he says so clearly at the beginning, like, this is super challenging material for me as well. Oh. I've done my best. There are some verses where I think I have a handle and there are some where I'm not sure. And I'll let you know where that is. <laughs> so, you know, we're all, gonna do really well to just take a deep breath and relax <laughs> and we'll do our best with it, right? And, you know, if I hadn't had that understanding when I went to read, read the Dalai Lama's comment, there's no way I would have understood a word of it, mm -hmm. you know? And you just get, get tangled up and then, and then you let it go, mm -hmm. you know, because 
it's actually not meant for us to understand <laughs> without a teacher, right? Well, these are, I mean, these are very complex teachings, it sounds like, and then there's like a deep respect for these practices and, and this, and so it may, it, so I can see why, you know, there's such a great protection, like when you mentioned Pima Chodron not adding the ninth chapter, it just, it speaks to, this is a very sacred thing that is not to be taken lightly, is kind of what, what all this seems to point to. What is meta meditation exactly? Yeah, so it can be, it can be a few things, right? But generally meta meditation, um, meta meditation refers to a practice of loving kindness is a way to translate it, right? Mm -hmm. I think Pema Chodron, so beautifully translates it as like unconditional friendliness, mm. right? Is another way to understand, right? This feeling which we can't quite name. And there are, there are, there are different versions of this practice, right? It's actually, it's actually a practice that's in the Yoga Sutras. Again, um, these, these four aspects that we call, we can call them the Brahma Viharas, right? These, um, the thoughts of Brahma, the, the thoughts of God, um, or we can, we can call them or understand them as the four infinite thoughts. They're sometimes talked about um, in the Buddhist tradition, both, you know, infinite in their scope, right? Infinite in that, in that depth of feeling and also infinite in the good that they do. Mm. so these these thoughts or feelings really you know of meta is part of this group of of the four brahma viharas mm. right which are, are equanimity and compassion loving kindness and joy mm. right so these four infinite thoughts or feelings Right. And, and so generally, you know, in, in a meta meditation practice, we are, so there's, there's a way that I've experienced it in the yoga community. And then there's a way that it's part of the Lamrim um, within the, the Golokpa tradition, um, which is, you know, the lineage of Buddhism that, that I study. In. Um, so can only come to it kind of from those two understandings because that's what that's what I've studied and practiced. And you know, in in the yogic traditions and and worlds, right? In in the Yoga Sutra, we we have those Brahma Viharas listed out as those four, right? As equanimity and compassion, loving kindness and joy, right? And when we do that that meditation. Well, I will say just generally, you know, for, for people who may have never, you know, practiced this um, or heard of it at all, um, the general skeleton of, of the practices that we're sending out, right, these, these infinite thoughts. First, we're cultivating them within ourselves, right, and, and we're sending or um, cultivating these, these four infinite thoughts within our own heart and for ourselves, and then we, we share it or we send it out to um, loved ones, to people who are very close to us, 
right? And then to, to neutral people, right? So these kind of levels of it, it's very easy to send, you know, loving kindness to your best friend, right? Um, to your pets, to, to the people that are right in your inner circle that you love so much, you probably do that all the time. And, and then to neutral people, right? To just neutral beings in the world. Um, and, then, and then to a challenging, right? A challenging person, which can be translated in different ways, right? It can sometimes translate it as enemy, right? Or we can think of it as a difficult person or a challenging, challenging person. And so within the yoga community, it's really interesting because these four infinite thoughts are grounded in the yoga sutra. And I hear it in a lot of different ways, right? Like, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be free, mm-hmm. right? Like these words that, I mean, they're not necessarily wrong translations, right? Like Sanskrit words can be translated. They have such depth of meaning, right? It's like every letter, every resonance has its own meaning, right? And, and it can be really beautiful, right? So I, I see it often in, in that way. Right. And also without the application of wisdom. Right. So that it's kind of like just this pure compassion practice. Mm. Right. Cultivating compassion. We're sending compassion out. We're not really thinking about how how it's really working. Right. How how it all exists. And within the Buddhist tradition, the way that it's been taught to me is, well, one of the ways to do it is, is to have people sitting around a table actually, right? And, and so you, you have these people sitting around the table yourself and you know, the, the person that you really love and the, the neutral person and, and the challenging person. And, and that step zero, as my teacher calls it, is actually equanimity. Right. equanimity, which is this feeling of not liking one thing more than another, like loving all things equally, mm-hmm. which isn't generally how we walk through the world, right? Because we can say the root, the root of ignorance, right? The root klesha is, is ignorance, right? Or this, this lack of wisdom. And then the two that come out of that, which in yoga are related to our side channels, actually, right, are attachment and aversion, Mm. right? So wanting things that we don't have and not wanting things that we do have, right? And that equanimity is actually being free from attachment or aversion, Mm. loving everything equally. So we start trying to cultivate that feeling. And part of that is you cultivate it amazing and great. And, and generally for most of us, right? It's a recognition of, oh, (laughs) this is where I am with this. Uh This is where I'm starting, right? It's a little humbling. Oh yeah. That was being a really valuable, valuable practice, right? And then we, we have these people, right? In our mind or in our meditation, sitting at this, at this table and we start to actually practice wisdom first as, as we look at these people and understanding that 
isn't it true that that maybe the person who's a challenging person sitting at the table, maybe they used to be a loved one, mm. right? Or that the person who's a loved one, maybe at some point they were neutral. They were just a neutral person in your world, right? Mm. And so recognizing this first level of, of emptiness or wisdom, which is that everything is changing mm. and changeable right? These people aren't fixed in these positions. We put this label on them, but that's not who they are. Mm -hmm. How they're showing up for us right now, right? And, and then we, we do this, this practice, right? Of, of cultivating this feeling and, and sending out the, the feeling with Again, this, as, as best as we can, right? We're always just trying to call up our best understanding of wisdom, right? Which is gonna be different, right? But like our best understanding of who is this person, mm. right? And and all of those perhaps challenging ways or neutral ways or really loving ways, right? That, we're, that we are sending this energy out, kind of going back to how we started, you know, that everything is your teacher, right? Because it's showing you how you perceive the world mm-hmm. and how you respond to it, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're then really recognizing it becomes a mirroring practice of recognizing like, oh, this is how I'm perceiving you, but it's not, it's not an essence of you, right? You've actually changed. If it was a, a solid essence of you, you would have always been my best friend, right? You wouldn't now be this really challenging person, right? <laughs> and so we, we, we recognize that and then we actually switch places, you know? And, and we, we recognize like, oh, well, the things that I'm seeing in you, I'm feeling those things. Mm. So where is that in me? Where is that in me? And that's so profound, that's life-changing. And that's what these teachings are meant to do. They're meant to change us Mm -hmm. and change our perception and change our world. Mm. And we actually do that through this understanding of wisdom. And so, you know, I sometimes say like, if we're just treating it as a compassion practice, that can be helpful at a level, right? Like it's helpful to nourish and cultivate, right? And call up a feeling of love. You know, that's, that's just no question across the board. That feels good. And it takes us out of our negative mind and it helps us cultivate something really, really positive and, and wonderful. And if we're not applying wisdom, we're, we're missing the point. We're actually just missing the depth of how this could be helpful. Yeah, I definitely have taken yoga classes where there is the, that meta meditation and it's just a, a compassion practice. and. I had no idea. I mean, I had a feeling just after talking to you, knowing that there was probably more to it uh, than just what I experienced. But yeah, thank you for 
uh, highlighting, uh, bringing to light, you know, what this meta meditation practice really can uh, cultivate. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like, it can be really helpful to, to cultivate this feeling of compassion. And it's also where, you know, a misunderstanding or a leaving out of a whole, you know, as in Buddhism, a whole side of it. It's like, you can think of a bird, just like it only has one wing, you know, like a whole side of it. It can be helpful in some respects, you know, and, and if you take it with kind of this false logic, you know, to a conclusion of like, well, this is also something I've seen within, within the yoga, just the wellness community. I mean, I think it's this exercise actually, as I, it's come from books, you know, people have have written this down of, um, well, if I just like pick the most evil person I can think of, right? And if I can send compassion or, or ultimate unconditional loving kindness to this most evil person, then I'm a good practitioner, right? Then that means that I'm doing really well because I'm supposed to be able to love all things equally, right? Mm. But that doesn't really work without, it can be harmful actually without an understanding of emptiness because if you don't have an understanding of, of emptiness or, or wisdom, then, then that evil person is a solid evil person. Like you are sending love to evil. Mm, yeah. And that's not what, right? That's not what the teaching is actually meant for. How does that evil person actually exist? Right? So I'm thinking like dictators or like, I've heard this with Hitler, Yeah. Right? you know, like we're, we're sending unconditional loving kindness to this self-existent, like reified, solid, evil person. And it's like, that's, that's actually now not helpful. Yeah, that's not, I see how that's not helpful. Yeah. I'm curious, what exactly is karma and how does it fit into all of this? <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, when we, when we hear the meta meditation prayer um, or, or practice, right, often, I don't know. I even see it as a meme on Instagram quite a bit, right? This like, may you be happy, may you be free, may you be healthy, right? All of these different um, different forms that it takes of, of wishes for, for other people um, and for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a piece of that within the Buddhist tradition that that is missing, right? And actually, I think that it is implied but because karma isn't the foundation of our society, right? Or our culture, mm. we don't catch it, right? So in the, in the Golukpa Buddhist lineage, right? The, the Lam Rim or the steps of the path, it's very clearly stated that what we're wishing for others is loving kindness and the causes of loving kindness. We're wishing them compassion and the causes of compassion. We're wishing them joy and the causes of joy, right? And so then when we start to look into, well, what does that mean, 
right? What are these causes? We're really talking about karma and the causes, right? For someone else having loving kindness isn't this object that I'm give, sending them. It's actually, how are they creating those causes in their own lives? So fundamentally, what we're wishing for other people is for them to live an ethical life. Oh, wow. That's a lot deeper than the meme. May they be happy. May they be healthy. Right. And it can be lovely to wish. Of course, we wish these things for other people. And it's lovely to cultivate that feeling, right, of loving kindness within ourselves. But it's this recognition of like, well, what's going to actually create that? Right. It's not the imagined light beam from my heart going out, although that is lovely and can actually help me quite a bit to feel that, right? And, you know, in this quantum world that we live in, right, there's a way that it, it does actually sending these feelings out into the world, I believe does, you know, help create that, that world. But really what, what we're wishing for is for, for everyone to have the causes for, this world that we want to live in, right? Cool. Would you care to explain the pin example? Sure, sure. Yeah, this is, you know, this is one, one level that, that's just, I think, really helpful to, to kind of understand a beginning kind of opening, right, into this idea that things don't exist the way that we think they do, mm. right? And so one of those ways we talked about with the, the meta meditation is just to recognize the changing nature of things, right? This, mm -hmm. this impermanence. And, and that's kind of a, a good kind of first level foundational, like, oh yeah, like maybe the things I'm labeling aren't solidly that, right? And then, and then you can come up with this, you know, you could use any object, but, but in our lineage, it seems to be a pen, right? Where you can just pick up a pen, right? And say, you know, like, what, what is this? What do you think this is? And if we're a human, right? Who's grown up with school of some sort, we, it's a pen, you know, quite obviously it's a pen. It has the parts of a pen, you know, it looks like a pen. It's what, it functions as a pen, right? It writes and that's what we label it. We label it as a pen. And, and then we can question, right? Well, okay, like if a dog came into this room, right? And this pen was lying on the floor, this object, and the dog came in and thought it was a chew toy, right? Is the dog wrong? Well, pretty messy. <laughs> what? Pretty messy chew toy. I'm just thinking of ink all over. <laughs> right? I was gonna say, we might think it's not the best chew toy, but to the dog, right? It functions. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. And, and so it's like, well, which one is it? Mm. You depends. know, yeah. it depends, right? Yeah. It depends who's perceiving it, mm. right? And how, how we're perceiving it. And, and so then, right, we say walking this middle way, right? And that really refers to our understanding of emptiness, the middle way of the Buddhism teachings. It's like the middle way between thinking nothing exists and thinking everything exists solidly and self-existently, wow. right? So we're finding this, this middle way of recognizing how the world really works, but not kind of 
tipping over the side of the cliff, right? To like nothing exists because then it can be like, oh, well, can the pen be anything, right? Well, oh, well, if it doesn't exist as a pen, it can be anything. It's like, well, can the pen be the Empire State Building? No, because it doesn't function that way. It can't function as the Empire State Building, right? And so, so it can't be that. We can't just go around, right? And, and this is where it can be challenging as we start to, to use these teachings out in the world too, because we can't just go around basically saying like, oh, well, nothing exists. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter that this suffering is happening or it doesn't matter that, you know, we'll just, we'll just label it something else, right? And in some ways we can, we can work with that in our personal practice, right? But we have to be really careful of that, that line of, of spiritual bypassing, you know, if it's, if it's showing up as this for us, right, then, then that's something to work with mm. and right with with this our best understanding of emptiness at the time you know <laughs> <laughs> no that's a really deep teaching it's like a I, I i really appreciate like everything that you're um just bringing to light today because it, it's really um as someone who doesn't really know much about buddhism i do feel like i've learned quite a bit in this pretty short conversation would you care to play a game with me? I would love to play a game with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's called rapid fire. And so the way it works, the rule is, uh, I ask you what your favorite things are, various things, and you rapidly answer. I will try. Best of your ability. <laughs> Best of your ability. There's the keyword. <laughs> so you ready to play? You got it. Um, here we go. Favorite color. Okay, rainbow, all, all the rainbow. I can't. <laughs> That's what I tell my nieces too. I love it. <laughs> Favorite yoga pose? Ooh, legs up the wall. Legs up the wall. Oh, that was quick. Favorite uh, movie? Oh, that one's really hard. Real hard. Oh, actually, I don't think I have one. <laughs> you can, I, you oh. know, a few seconds can go by. Hungry Panda 3. <laughs> oh. Hungry Panda 3. Pixar? I think it's Pixar. Yeah. Okay. It's so good. I mean, you never know. You never know what people like. I love it. A favorite restaurant in Austin? Ooh, Thai Fresh. Oh, yes. Favorite genre of music? Oh, I would almost say all of them, but it's not death metal. I love reggae. I love reggae. reggae. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and instrumental like tones. Uh -huh. <laughs> Ambient, ambient. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite, favorite type of yoga. Ooh, that's really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. This is investigative journalism right here. These questions. Yeah, I mean, ooh, that's such a loaded question too, because <laughs> type can refer to so much. You know, I think. As a physical healing practice, I love yin yoga. Me too. Me you too. know, yin wow. yoga. Mm -hmm. I just, it's helpful for everyone, unless you have, you know, connective tissue. So, you know, they're, they're as everything, like 
practices are medicine, right? And so they're, um, they're so individual, but I love yin yoga, you know, meditation practices. Mm, yoga nidra doesn't get any better than that. Right? <laughs> Those are some good ones, yeah. Favorite animal? Ooh, I think I was going to say puppy, but, but bunnies popped up in my head, so... <laughs> <laughs> I have to say yeah. Okay, last one. Favorite yoga prop? Ooh. Gotta say a bolster. Mm, yeah, that's kind of the OG of yoga props, isn't it? Like the Cadillac of yoga props. I mean, the comfiest. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Just give me a pillow and I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little body pillow. Um, so thank you so much for playing the game. Um, I, I love, I love how, um, I love how people answer it. It's like, it almost feels like that's like the more stressful questioning than the actual interview. It's just kind of funny how, and I love, I love your answer. The, the Panda movie. I never would have guessed. Oh, it's actually my teacher told us to, to watch it a long time ago. It's a Dharma movie. Oh, okay. I'll have so, to yeah, you can find it a lot in kids' movies. I love kids' movies. They're just so uplifting. They are, yes, positive. Except like in the first five minutes when it's like super sad, like what was it, the, the Up, the movie Up? Oh my God. The first yeah. 90 seconds, I was just bawling my eyes out because it was like this old couple. Yeah. Montage, but anyway, they, they know how to, yeah, they know how to, work your heart, I guess. So thank you so much for being on the show. This was really fun and it was so good to connect with you. It's been too long. Uh, where can people find you online, Kim? Oh yes. So I do have a website now. Um, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing most things under the name of vibrational body. So my, my website is vibrationalbody.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at vibrational dot body because I had an issue with the, the technology and the name. Uh, and, and yeah, I, you know, I, I offer a once a month yin and yoga nidra workshop through that website. And if the meta meditation stuff that we talked about here is interesting to anyone, I'm actually going to be offering a teaching on that later this summer. It's going to be two, two Fridays at the end of July and and you'll get actually some recorded teachings from Lama Marut as well. So, um, so yeah, you can you can find me in all of those ways, and um, I think you have my email as well that might go go into the notes. So if anyone wants to reach out personally, I'm always always yeah. available for this stuff. Great, yeah. All of Kim's info is in the show notes, so you're just one click away from connecting with her and. I recommend that you do to stay up to date with all of your really cool offerings. Thank you so much for being on the show, Kim. I hope to have you back soon. Oh, thank you so much, Ashley. This was a pleasure. Have a great day. You too. I hope that you enjoyed the second half of this two-part series about yoga and Buddhism with the knowledgeable Kim Humphrey. I really appreciated this episode, and I hope that you too feel inspired by Kim's wise words. If you would like to connect with her, all of her infos in the show notes, so you're just one click away from connecting with Kim, and may I suggest that you do. 
If you would like the show to keep going, please hit that subscribe button. And if you liked what you heard, please let your friends know. Word of mouth is the best way and the most organic way to stretch the podcast out to new listeners. If you would like to help the podcast further, please leave us a glowing five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. When you do, please let us know. Uh, You can email us or DM us, and we will send you podcast stickers in the mail as a thank you. If you would like to be a guest on the show or you have any questions or comments, we love hearing from you. Please email us at yogaandpodcast at gmail.com. The and is spelled out y-o-g-a-a-n-d podcast at gmail. Please also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is yoga and podcast. Consider joining our official yoga and podcast Patreon. They're great member perks such as shout outs on the show, live virtual yin yoga taught by me three days a week. You can also earn official podcast merchandise over time And when you sign up, we send you podcast stickers and a love note in the mail. And that's as low as a $5 tier. It's a pretty good deal. Go to patreon.com forward slash yoga and podcast to find out more. You can also go to the link in the show notes as well. The theme song is performed by Allie Holder. Sound engineering and guest booking by Bentley the Cats and social media by Chloe the Kitty. Remember that this podcast is for everyone. If you are a human living on planet Earth, you might benefit from listening to Yoga and Podcast. See you next week.